All right. We are live on Facebook and we are recording. Laura. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. My name is Laura Ketty. I am one of the few uh, Katasi shaman living here in the rainy Oregon, as it is today. And I'm excited to introduce to you um, my teacher, um, Kay Cordell Whitaker. I've been studying with her for the last six years. She is the grandmother and the carrier of Katasi in the modern world. Um, just absolutely amazing woman who's spent a lot of her life with people like me, trying to help us wake up and connect to our song. So I'm excited um, to hear her speak today. Um, also with us is her husband and mate, one of her longest students, and like Kay, also a Kalakanasia. Um, and I think I mentioned he's also one of my teachers too, <laughs> and a teacher to many of us. Um, and kind of the one of the inspirations of today's um, conversation was something that he had said and wrote about. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Helmet, to before we talk today. But thanks, Kay. Thanks, Helmet. Thanks for having this conversation today. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Laura. Hi, Kay. <laughs> Hi. Hi, everybody. Okay, so the theme for today's talk is about waking up. We either wake up or we perish was the title we gave it. And I published a piece not too long ago, and I'm going to read that uh, before, we get, before Kay gets started talking about this. And then I pass it on to Kay. Here it goes. We are not dealing with a political crisis or an economic crisis or a social crisis or an environmental crisis. We are dealing with a crisis of consciousness. We will never solve any of our problems. We will never bring about fundamental lasting change until we change our state of being that is the cause of all our problems, our level of consciousness. I think David Icke put it most succinctly. Anybody who thinks that we can change anything of substance without changing our consciousness and changing ourselves is only kidding themselves and everybody else. So as we mentioned today, we asked Kay what she can share with us what the ancient uh, Peruvian teachings of Katase and the ancient pre-dynastic Egyptian teachings say about this and what they say about where we are on the journey and where we headed. So Kay, please take it away. <laughs> Have fun. Well, it's it's a really dramatic title, Wake Up or Perish, but there's a lot of truth in it. And that truth 
leads back to uh, what do we mean? What do, what do these words really mean? We certainly know what perish means. <laughs> that one's kind of easy. Means not being around anymore, dying off. But waking up, what's, what is that? What does that really mean? It's been, it's a word, a phrase that has been thrown around an awful lot recently in recent years by a lot of different people. And they all seem to mean something a little bit different by what, what that is. What is waking up? Some people, um, waking up means starting to, to notice, understand, investigate for yourself the uh, things that are around you, especially things like the political environment, um, the, the corporate business environment, the military environment, and what's really happening with all of those things. The more you learn about that, uh, there's that group that's, that says you're, you're waking up. You're coming out of a, a social stupor that has been lying to you and pretending that everything is just, you know, really, really Betty Crocker, really nice, nice. When uh, it isn't, it's in a lot of respects, those things have, have gone from bad to worse and even worse. And there's other people who say waking up has to do with recognizing that we're not alone in this universe, that there are, there are other sentient species out there, a lot of them, and many of them have come here through, through many, 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 many millennia onto this planet and have had a lot of things to do with uh, our species, Homo sapiens. Even uh, to the extent of uh, being our creators, our designers, the engineers who um, put us together from lots of different pieces, from um, DNA from the aliens, DNA from the um, other primates here on the planet, maybe who knows what else mixed into the soup that is become homo sapiens and waking up to that, uh, looking into that, investigating it for yourself. They consider that waking up, waking up out of, out of the cultural lies that have told us uh, that none of that stuff exists and that we certainly not to the point that, uh, we were engineered by aliens. But when we, we look around, uh, every subject we can look at practically, there's, there's, so, there's so much propaganda that is, has been thrown at us. So many lies for all different kinds of reasons. We have the economic reasons, we have social reasons, we have power, control, 
reasons or warfare reasons, uh, greed, all kinds of stuff has perpetuated all of these different kinds of lies in every aspect of our lives, every field you can think of. And everybody has their own agenda as to why they want to keep their little story and their little group of lies intact and everybody believing them because it gives them a certain kind of power and control or advantage. For the Hedekas, for the ancient Peruvians, and for the pre-dynastic Egyptians, waking up is all of those things, becoming a lot more aware of what is around you and what our, what our culture is and how it has programmed us, uh, what kind of lies there, there are there, and there are many that have created a fantasy world for us to live in. And we need to start noticing that. We need, we need to really seriously start noticing it and, and doing our own research, taking action to change things the way we would like to have them. And not having all these cultural aspects operating at our expense. All of it, it's all at the people's expense. When the Hedekas and the pre-dynastic Egyptians talk about waking up, that's just the first level. That's just the first step. There are more levels to waking up. And it all has to do with, with our consciousness. So... We have to ask, what is consciousness? What is it? There's all kinds of ideas out there. Lots of um, philosophers on lots of different kinds of philosophies about what is consciousness and what does it have to do with us? Do we have consciousness? Does that have anything to do with who and what we are? Well, the ancient teachings say, absolutely. We are consciousness. We're awareness. We're we're pure attention. And we are a property of consciousness that involves the ability to focus that consciousness, focus the attention. That's, that's one of the most important aspects for us, for humans here on earth right now, is the focusing, learning how to purposely, purposefully focus our consciousness, purposefully aim our attention at any given moment. If we can't do that, 
then we can't even get through the first steps of waking up, of noticing what's going on around us and what's real and what are lies. We have to be able to purposefully focus our attention. Our modern culture, which has its, its roots uh, in thousands and thousands of years ago, you could actually say our modern culture kind of got birthed back then. These, these threads that are coming down through, through our history to us, they are creating stories and ideas, concepts, fantasies, hierarchical belief systems of better than and less than, right, wrong, good, bad. They've created a picture of our world, a picture of reality, a picture of humanity, what humans are, and how we fit in our world. And with this hierarchy, there's always something bigger and better than, more important than, more powerful than, more intelligent than, etc. So up that ladder, there's always somebody more accomplished, better, smarter, wiser. We got saints, we got heroes, we've got gods, single gods, groups of gods. There's always something that is on the on top of that ladder that is in control and in control of us and in control of our world. And they have power over us. And we're taught to believe this. Blindly believe, take it on, no questions asked. You just got to believe it and stick to the program. And that's been handed down generation after generation for 10,000 10, years, maybe more. And it's gotten more accentuated. The picture has gotten bigger and more, more profound in terms of how it affects us and our lives and our way of thinking. It affects our consciousness. Our consciousness is, is who and what we are. It's what our song is. Song is our consciousness. And these affect us as a human to be able to focus our attention at anything that we're choosing at the time, holding our attention there, really getting into it, remembering, thinking about it, 
figuring it out, feeling, feeling it with the spirit. This programming is a diminishment. It's a purposeful diminishment of our consciousness. And it's full of lies. It's absolutely jam-packed full of lies about who and what we are and what we're capable of and what the world is like. The world that we live in, the universe that we live in, what are, what are the real realities of this, this world, this universe? The other consciousness, what other, what other things are conscious? What other things out there are conscious? How many, how many of them are there out there? What are they like? Well, what do they have to do with us? What's their relationship with us? Our relationship with them? The lies say there's not much else in the universe that has real consciousness. There are things alive, like on our planet, like plants and animals. But science, the churches, the religions, they tell you that they aren't really conscious. We're the only things conscious. We're the only ones with consciousness. And all of that is lies. Absolutely. About as false as you could get. And that is to keep us diminished. To keep our consciousness at a diminished state. You hear a lot out there in the internet, in different spiritual groups, about raising consciousness. We need to raise our consciousness. And yeah, that's very true. But the first step is we need to get it out of out of this pit of of fog and diminishment that we have gotten shoved into and we've, we've ended up shoving ourselves into this, this mental pit. It's like the, the headache is used to uh, talk about it like a box. It's a box. We live in a box. We've created a box for ourselves. Society has created a box for each one of us. And we're in that box and we don't perceive anything outside of the box. It's kind of like we've got a little TV screen in there that we look at, and we're mesmerized by it, little heads set on, and we're not paying attention to anything else. We only believe what's on that screen and coming through the headset. And that's the lies that society has conjured up. Our culture has been conjuring up these lies for millennia. And we think that that's all there is. We're not, we're not utilizing ourselves. We're, we're not utilizing all the tools of who and what we are as a human being, as a song, as a spirit living in a, in a human body. We're so, so, so much more than what's in the box. We're so much more than that box. 
and the lies of the box. If we're going to really use our consciousness and and get it back to where it should be in how we are perceiving things in ourselves, about ourselves, about our own song, about the world around us, other things, other beings, everything that is in our our physical world here on, on our planet and beyond. If we're going to perceive what's really there, we have to wake up. We have to start questioning all the lies. And that means question everything. The headache has always said, question everything. The pre-dynastic Egyptians, question everything. Don't believe blindly. Don't take anything on that anybody else has said, any religion has said, any government has said, what your teachers have said. Don't take it on blindly. Investigate it for yourself. Use your own awareness, your own song, your own perception. Focus it. Focus your consciousness in all these different directions and do do your own hunting. Do your own research. Investigate it with your mind. Investigate it with with your heart, with your song, with the feelings, the feelings, the, the senses of your song. Even with your emotions. And don't let any of the pre-programming blind you. We've learned how to address everything in our lives with preconceived ideas, expectations, with judgment. If it doesn't fit the picture of the box, then it's all wrong. And we condemn it. We don't just say, oh, that's wrong. We condemn it. Black energy darts. We, we condemn it. We're throwing nasty energy at it. These are all learned things, learned behaviors, learned ideas, learned pictures. We have pictures of ourselves, of, of who we're supposed to be, so who, who society says we're supposed to be how we're supposed to live. We have pre-designed pictures of everybody else that we come in contact with. Our parents, siblings, family, friends, teachers, people, people in our society who are supposed to be important Famous people. We have a preconceived idea, pre-made picture, pre-made understandings of who all these people are. We've never given them a chance to show for them to show us 
who they really are, what they really are, what they're really like, what their consciousness is really like, what that, that their song is really like, what they're really capable of, the kind of insight, the kind of love, caring, connectedness, we're all actually capable of. When we're in that box, really the only thing that matters to us is us. I know that sounds harsh. You're going to say, oh, well, I don't think that way. I mean, I, my kids are my most important thing in my life. And if you go back and look at the box, what you're really seeing and feeling and think you know in the box are pre-made pictures all the shoulds and they all revolve around you in the box because you're the only one in the box that ends up making you the most centralized most important person in your life and it's not in such a good way it's in a pre-programmed way When we stop and think about these pre-made pictures, that's a good, good place to start. It's a good example. We have pre-made pictures of ourselves. Who we are. What we are. Where we come from. How we connect with the world around us, what our place is in that world, where we fit on the social hierarchy. It goes, it goes on and on, the list goes on and on. This is all information that was thought up by somebody else a long time ago, passed down for generations and has nothing to do with who you really are or what you really are or what your relationship is to those people around you, your kids, your mate, your parents, your family. <clears throat> Doesn't have anything to do with any of that because they're all lies. We learn this the, the culture, the cultural way to be with this hierarchy. And as you go up the hierarchy, you go up the ladder, you have power over whatever is under you. You are better than whatever is under you. The goal is always to get another ring up the ladder, another rung up the ladder. Be better, be more important be more favored by other people, looked at uh, as better. As we go up, we learn that to, to keep that 
place up the ladder to get up to the next spot, you have to you have to get rough. You have to judge. You have to uh, be in, incriminating on, to other people. Belittle them. Take them down. Do whatever it takes to take them down, off the ladder, down, 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 so that you have a spot to fit, so you can go up, up, up. And this ladder relates to your immediate family. It relates to everything in your life, your education, your job, your social status you gained from your family, even, sadly enough to say, your race, your ethnic group, the kind of um, um, social group that you belong to, all those things change your place on the ladder. And with this intense judgment that we learn, we judge ourselves, we judge everything else, everybody else. And that is a vicious, vicious war. There, there's no other word that really fits it because if you could see energetically what we do while we are working this ladder, what we do to ourselves, the black dark judgments that we send to ourselves, beating ourselves up, condemning ourselves, what we do to others. And this is an everyday thing. It's going on every hour of every day. What we do energetically with this, this nasty, detrimental, yes, detrimental energy, destructive energy that we're sending out as we are doing this judging and this condemning and this belittling. Sometimes it's really straightforward and strong and really nasty. And sometimes it's kind of twisted and hidden in so-called humor, jokes. As we send that out and it goes into those people that have become our targets, it sinks right in. They have no way to guard it because they're asleep. You're asleep. They're asleep. They have no way to guard themselves from that kind of energy. So it's coming at all of us all the time from every direction and from ourselves. And it's dark. It's, it's like a sponge, like a black hole and it sucks their life energy out of them, out of their cells. It keeps the, the cells and the tissues from having their proper operations. It keeps your body from doing just daily tasks, being able to just 
even digest your food properly. Every part of your body, all the fluids, all the cells, they, they're injured and diminished by these dark, nasty, judging, cutting, destructive energies. So it's no wonder that most of us are pretty sick. We learn how to do things at the expense of others and think that that's okay. And we're doing that all the time at all kinds of levels. When you look at it at a big level, it becomes more obvious and more apparent. Say a pharmaceutical company, that's a really good example because they are making mostly poisonous substances, things that have really are destructive and hurtful, uh, very harmful to human tissue, human operations, in order to, to get one specific kind of action that they're trying to sell that, that pharmaceutical, that pill for, it doesn't fix anything. What they make doesn't heal any of the problems in the body. It's a Band-Aid. They're all Band-Aids. They pretend to make something better for a while. They kind of make the pain go away for a while. They make this, this particular problem in the body, this chemistry problem, the electrical thing, uh, go away for a little while. It's always temporary. It's just a Band-Aid. Meanwhile, it has lots of bad side effects. And that pharmaceutical company, especially the people at the top, the ones that uh, are running the, running the whole thing, they're making billions of dollars. They're becoming extremely wealthy at the expense of all the people who take those pharmaceuticals. That's, that's a really, really ugly picture. But it is a picture that is repeated through our entire culture. You see it in government. You see it in the military. You see it in industry. All, all kinds of big industry. In order to make huge, huge amounts of money for a few, they feel like they have to do it at the expense of others, other human beings, and other, including plant life on our planet, the trees or plants, at the expense of animal life, all kinds of animal life, at the expense of the quality of our air, the breathability, breathability, breathability of our air. At the expense of our atmosphere being able to continue doing what the atmosphere is supposed to be doing to keep this planet habitable. It's at risk. 
It's actually at risk. They do it at the expense of having water. Water that is suitable for human consumption and animal consumption and plant consumption. And at the expense of water that helps run this whole system of having water in our oceans, in our lakes and rivers, and water that goes up in the air, becomes clouds, makes atmosphere, weather, comes down as rain and snow, and it's filtered and recycled, filtered and recycled. We're actually threatening the planet's ability to do that. And at the same time, we're threatening the planet's ability to provide drinkable, usable water for all the living things on the planet. That's insanity. People are becoming rich at the expense of the planet's ability to maintain itself as a planet that can be inhabited. We can only do that for just so long. This is a power over, power over ideology. This is a power, power over everything at the expense of other. And that's about the biggest sin the, that I can think of. We've taken it to, to ultimate lengths. We used to be doing this on, you know, uh, terms of s- small villages with a few people having that great power and great wealth and forcing something on all the rest of the people and enforcing poverty and having less food to eat. Now we've, we've just kept having this whole dynamic grow bigger and bigger and bigger. It encompasses the whole planet. It's about every single thing that we do on this planet. Every kind of physical operation, the biology, the physics, it's reached that far. We are threatening all of our lives. The people who are doing this, they're obviously still asleep. The ancient Egyptians, Atticus would say, these people are really asleep. They are still living inside their little teeny box with their crazy, crazy pictures and ideas, their beliefs, their blind beliefs that they could do these things and and get away with it and everything's going to be okay. But everything will still just keep running along, rolling along. The planet will still be the planet and livable. It's just that all those poor people are going to die off. But that's 
That's a lie. That picture is a lie. So waking up means waking up out of all of the lies. All of these lies about what we have been believing. What's been passed down to us through our ancestors for so long. With these concepts, these eyes, lies, these ways of believing, these ways of thinking, thinking errors. Some of you may have heard that phrase. It's coming up uh, more and more and more. Thinking errors on a really big scale. That's what sleeping, being asleep is all about. And we're able to be asleep because our consciousness has been, it's been like squished, rolled up in a blanket and squished into this little box. There's no real light in there and our vision is very dim. We're only perceiving, we're only focusing our attention at and perceiving the lies. And we're living out the lies. That's what diminished consciousness is all about. That's what being asleep is. And we, we have to change that. We have to change it on, a, on all levels and all scales and very rapidly because we're losing a lot of our planet. We're losing lots and lots and lots of our planet and the planet's ability to be this garden of life that it, it was for so long. We can't stay living in our little boxes and believing blindly all these stupid, crazy things and believing in these stupid, crazy ways of thinking this, that we can think really nasty, ugly, wicked thoughts, destructive thoughts about other people around us and that nothing's going to happen that doesn't do anything. It does a lot. It does a lot of damage. We think bad thoughts like that, we're making huge thought forms. It not only goes just to the people that we were, individuals that we were thinking about and destructive right there in those people, but it's a huge thought form. It's destroying everything in its reach. It's ugly, destructive energy that takes life away. And we're making those kinds of thought forms minute, every minute, minute by minute by minute when we're asleep and living in the box. 
we think ugly, bad, nasty thoughts about all kinds of inanimate things like, well, the one that Damano used to say, toilet paper. He loved toilet paper. He thought that was a very funny product and uh, says a lot about our culture. But you can't even go down the aisle in the grocery store where the toilet paper is and you're about to buy your favorite brand. You're looking for it through all these other brands down the aisle. And you're condemning. You're condemning other brands. Not just, oh, that's not the one I want. I'm looking for this other, this pink cover. Got to have the pink label. Where is it? It's not innocent thoughts like that it's oh that piece of shit oh that oh oh that's terrible that's a terrible brand they're they don't even use recycled paper what awful people and on you go the next one the next one you've got a nasty thought about all the rest of the brands and we don't even think of it that way we don't see it that way But we've been taught, we've been trained, we've been brainwashed to think this way. Very ugly, ugly way of thinking. And we think this way about almost everything. Driving, driving your car on the road with other cars and the freeway. And um, that's another good place to see the picture. People, so many people, they hop in the car. It's like all the good things about humanity that they've been learning or taking on or trying to be is out the window. And they're they're thinking nasty thoughts about all these other drivers and why they're not doing all the things that they want them to do. Why they're going in this lane instead of that lane? Why didn't they use their blinker? And we, we cuss at them and we, we you know, throw the finger at them and scream at them. People roll the window down and they're yelling and screaming obscenities at another driver. We've just, we've, we've learned this, these concepts of us or them, me or them. I'm good, I'm right, they're all wrong, they're bad, they're less than. There's that ladder, that hierarchical ladder again. Our, our whole way of thinking and being, thinking, our thinking, our way of feeling inside Believing all those thoughts that we hold in a belief in our mind that are are brought up with the emotions that come with them, anger that comes with them, fear that comes with them. It's a way of being. It's a way of thinking that we learned. It's millennia, many, many millennia old. And it has nothing to do with who we really are or what we really are 
absolutely nothing. It's a forced, as the Hedekas would say, a mask. It's a pretend, a pretend way of being that we think we have to be, and we think that that's who we are and what we are. And it isn't. Those are the things that we think and believe and do when we're asleep, when we're still in the box. We have to wake up from that and learn how to not be that way from one minute to the next. And it's each person, it's each individual who has to realize this and start doing this for themselves. Letting go of the old programming. Letting go of of all of those old ways of impulse, <laughs> automatic pilot impulse to think this, think that, do that, say that, be that way, throw that kind of energy. We have to realize that we're doing it and we have to give it up. Let it go, stop doing it and learn how to find the real you that's underneath all that false package. The real you, that's what the headache is called your song. The true you. The ancient Egyptians would say, you have to realize what your high self is and let your high self influence your middle self and your lower self or your subconscious. Where all that training is, all that automatic pilot is in the subconscious. We have to start noticing, start looking at ourselves and we can notice it in others and that can teach us so that we can learn to see it in ourselves and let it go. When we begin to peel it off, to let it go, to really take our consciousness. We want to take control of our own consciousness. Right now, the programming, the box has control of our consciousness. And we need to take the control of our consciousness back. It's our consciousness. It's not, it doesn't belong to society. It doesn't belong to some other person. It doesn't belong to a particular group of, has a certain way of thinking. Your consciousness is yours. Private, personal, it's yours. And you need to take control of it again. Each person. That's what David Icke was saying. You have to take control of your own consciousness again. And let all the rest of this go. Let the lies go. Let all of this destructive behavior and blind beliefs go. 
underneath it is your heart. <laughs> it's your heart. <laughs> your heart. Your song, your totality. Your spirit, the real you. The real you that has been the real you for eons upon eons upon eons upon eons. Long before any of this earthly stuff was going on. Or this programming was going on. Many eons before that. Your song, your spirit, is extremely old and extremely vast with incredible knowledge, incredible capacity, incredible abilities. We have stifled all of that. We have squished it down and pretended that it didn't exist. But it really does, because that's, that's who and what you are and what, what you always have been. There's so much beauty and so much unconditional love. So much creativity and passion for life, aliveness. And so much connectedness to everything else. When we're asleep in the box, the lie is we're not connected to anything or anybody, there is no connection. We are isolated, an island, totally isolated, abandoned. That is a horrific lie. Everybody is living that lie. They're living out what that lie is. Otherwise they wouldn't be able to do all the horrible things that are going on every day on all kinds of little bitty scales to huge scales. We are huge consciousness, pure consciousness, pure attention, pure awareness, pure perception, with the ability to focus this consciousness. The ability to focus our attention on anything that we want to put that attention on. Anything we want to experience, anything we want to learn, anything we want to create. All we have to do is focus our attention Collect it all from all the garbage and all the lies. Collect it, focus it, and hold it there. We learn how to do this in the Hedekah's ceremony of finding your own song. It's a beautiful ceremony. It's beautiful. It's very simple it's it's one of the most simple ceremonies that i know of it's easy it's really really easy to 
to do this ceremony, all you have to do is be willing to get out of your box, be willing to break all the, the bindings, so to speak, break out, free yourself, be willing to get free. Be willing to perceive yourself and the world around you as it really is. And to perceive the connectedness that you have to everybody and everything else in this world and the whole universe. Extremely connected. To see how much unconditional love there really is in the world. Is astounding. It's phenomenal how much unconditional love there is in everything, everywhere. Because everything in the world is made out of unconditional love. We all have it because we're made of it. And it flows through the world from one thing to another, through one thing to another. It, it is part of the life energy that animates everything in our universe. Unconditional love. It brings with it a host of uh, so much beauty, so much aliveness. The unconditional love is alive as well. It is conscious. It is alive. It is full of knowledge. Same thing is said for life energy. It is conscious. It is alive. It is full of knowledge and potential. All the potential of the universe flows through you, to you, from you, through everything, through all this connectedness. Whether you know it or not, this is all happening. This is, this is the, what's really there. And all of that flow and all of that connectedness and all of that consciousness, it taps into all the possibilities of the universe. All the possibilities. All the knowledge that ever was, is, or will be all the potentials that pour out of that, that is, is what becomes available to you when you wake up. That's what real waking up is all about. It doesn't just drag your consciousness out of the, the garbage pit that we've been shoved into and been living into but it begins to raise your consciousness for real and expand it and help it to grow. 
help it to explore itself and the whole universe and every little part of the universe. And whatever it is that your curiosity, your passion drags you to because it's so beautiful and so exciting and all the creativity that comes from that. That's what waking up is all about. When we're awake, we can, be, we can build a world that surpasses all, all of our dreams that, that we have had while living in our little boxes. Way, way surpasses that. We understand what it is to be and to live with unconditional love and equality, harmony, balance, curiosity, great creativity, great passion for life, and great love of everything that is around us from the dirt to the rocks and the water, the air, the plants, the animals, other people, aliens, whatever's out there. We're able to perceive those things for who and what they are. That dirt, that little patch of dirt out Side the door. When we think of it in the old box way, it's an ugly, disgusting, dirty patch of dirt that probably is full of germs and we need to get rid of it. That it shouldn't be there. It has no good purpose whatsoever. That's a lot, a lot of darts right there. A lot of darts. But the dirt, every little grain of that, that dirt is alive. It has consciousness. It has its own way of thinking, its own way of being, its own way of, of feeling, thinking, feeling, being conscious, perceiving, experiencing life and connectedness. It's part of the dirt, the soil, that has the capacity to grow plants, to that that feed animals, that feed people. That uh, it's part of all these huge cycles of of life out there in nature. It's extraordinary. It's exquisite. If you could see it from the energetic perspective, just be able to see on all those levels, you would never call it a little dirty, old, ugly patch of, of nasty filth that needs to be thrown away. 
when I was studying with the Hedekas, uh, we were uh, at the beach in Santa Cruz, kind of away in the sand dunes, away from the water and away from the people. And the sand was sort of mixed with dirt. It was kind of like sandy dirt where we were sitting. And my instructions were just to sit there and uh, look at the dirt, you know, and touch it and move it and uh, talk to it. And, and I was thinking, oh, oh, my God, this this is crazy. This, this is really crazy. And this dirt doesn't look sanitary either. It's <laughs> the waves have been, you know, brushing up on it and depositing who knows what. And, you know, it kind of looked a little scummy and some of it was, was damp. There are little plants, to, you know, kind of starting to grow in that little area. And, so I did my best. I kept go, having to go back in my song, get back in your song, because my mind would start complaining and and talking to myself about the dirty, ugly, filthiness and germiness of this dirt, and we shouldn't really be here. It's getting into my clothes. I can feel it. It's all the halfway up my pants already. Yeah. And so I'd be distracted from the real task, which was to perceive my song, get back in my song, feel my song, hold it, meditate, be there, be with the dirt, eyes open, all the senses, just engage the dirt with your song and your senses. And then all of a sudden, I had this memory of being... Well, I was at least one and a half because I could walk and, you know, by myself. And I was sitting in this dirt outside the back door of the house that we lived in. I love that spot. And then I got to play there a lot. And the dog was on the other side of the fence, really close by. And there were the blackberry bushes there. But the dirt... Oh, my God, I was in love with the dirt because I could perceive, I could see. My consciousness was not blinded by the culture yet, and I could perceive what the dirt really was. And there was all this color and light. And I'd pick it up, and I'd just, oh, I was just, oh, oh, this is so exquisite and beautiful and I love the smell and the, and I you know, I'd start smearing it all over myself just covering my body with it which I don't think my mother intended but it was so beautiful and there were all these things that were alive in the dirt and it glowed and the energy and the uh, like electricity and light and sparkles and movement just traveling everywhere and every color and then glow. And then, and when I would like touch it, the glow would, would kind of increase and grow in different colors. And I was so in love with it. I was just 
so passionate about it. And I would hold it up and, and try to tell, you know, my siblings who were all older and my mom, anybody who would listen, look, look, can you see, look at this. It's just beautiful. Look at how all the, what is all that? Why is it doing that? How can it do that? And of course, I didn't have the words to say all that, but that's what I was feeling and thinking. I was so excited. And we were, we were talking, we were talking to each other. We are connected and all the things, uh, the energies and, and love and healing and nutrition and all this, was, we were sharing it with each other. And there was just so much of it there. And of course I got in trouble because I was digging in the mud way too much more than I was supposed to. And I had it all over my clothes, which were probably fresh out of the washing machine. And uh, I had it all over me, which means I'd have to have a bath again. <laughs> so I got in trouble. <laughs> And then I, I kind of remembered that, you know, it took a number of times of doing this where they didn't see it. They didn't notice. They didn't care. They got angry. And it dawned on me that they couldn't perceive it. They didn't, they didn't perceive any of it. Any of it. And I was stunned. So I stopped trying to show them or tell them, but every chance I got, you know, going back and playing in the dirt like that, I did. <laughs> and talk to my friends in the dirt. Go visit my, my beautiful, loving friends in the dirt. And when I remembered it, I I was just stunned. And then, and then I could see it again. I could see it. I could feel it. I could perceive it. I could smell it. I could hear it. There was music in there. There's all this music that I could hear with the spirit ears. And I could see with the spirit eyes. And I could smell with the spirit noise my nose. I didn't try to taste it as an adult, but I know I did as a kid. <laughs> it was oh, it's hard to explain. We don't have any words. <laughs> we don't have any English words that describes what that is like to experience that. And I remembered it. And then I was able to do it again. And it was that's who and what we really are. We have the consciousness, we have the perception, the perceptive abilities, your perception that allows you to be able to perceive all those kinds of things as you wish, when you wish in the dirt, in anything, in anybody. And it isn't just the seeing, the colors, or hearing the music of it, 
the feeling quality through my whole body, feeling it with my whole physical body, feeling it with my whole spirit, my song. That's, that's what the whole perception is about. All of our spiritual perception, it's, it involves, uh, when we're human, it involves everything to do with physical senses, all, the, all of them, and all the spirit senses. And what that the spirit senses deliver to your whole being, energetically and physically. We, the only word I know of to describe it is feeling, but it's way more than just feeling with your emotions. That's a piece of it. That's part of it that's in there. But it's much more feeling. You're interacting, you're connected, and you're interacting with other on an incredibly intimate level. From the inside out, when we're totally awake, we have this, these abilities. We can perceive each other, one human to the other that way. On that level, perceiving all of these energies all of the song of the other. It's said the songs merge slightly, that you, it's, it's more than just touching on the surface. It's, it's touching, feeling, experiencing from the inside out. You're inside, they're inside, whether it's the dirt, whether it's another human being, the love that gets shared, the knowing, knowledge, understanding, the passion, creativity, and this very, very unconditional love, this life energy, rivers, Oceans, tsunamis of unconditional love and life energy. And we tune into it as deep as we want, whenever we want. Without any of the hindrance of the cultural lies, our indoctrination, without any of the distortions that that indoctrination inflicts on us. That's what we need to do. That's waking up. And it, it starts with starting to question everything around you. Starting to notice that we're living in, in a huge 
huge ocean of lies, lies and blind beliefs, blindly held beliefs, they're all lies, and that allows us to create the kind of world that we have today that is lacking in real, true, unconditional love. It's lacking in aliveness. It's lacking in passion and excitement. It's lacking in excitement for life itself. It's lacking in the connectedness. When we're living the lies, we don't notice we're connected. And so we end up doing all kinds of things that injure other and injure ourselves. We have to have to wake up. It's time. And this time that we're in has been predicted for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The ancients knew that we were going to enter into some seriously dark eras. That we would enter into a kind of diminishment. That we would be diminishing our own consciousness, our own perception, our own understanding, live in a sea of lies. They knew this. The pre-dynastic Egyptians talk about it. Hedekas talk about it. And they knew that this era, this dark ages, really, really dark ages era, would come to an end. And that we would have to learn how to give up our addiction to it. And how to be and think differently how to wake up, how to retrieve the knowledge, understanding, and experience of our own song and our connectedness to all the other songs and all the abilities that come with that, with waking up. Incredible abilities. These are the things that we hear in fairy tales, in ancient Uh, ancient, ancient stories where there were people who could do such incredibly amazing things were all telepathic when they wanted to be. They could teleport. They could do so many uh, magnificent things. Creative, full of love. They knew that that this era was going to come. And they knew how to tell when it was going to be here. All the signs of the changing of the world. This is, that's what we're in right now. And we have gotten over a certain kind of hump on the road. But it's not the end of the road. And quite literally, we still have the ability to annihilate uh, our species, 
along with many other species on the planet and to harm the planet in, in ways that are, are unthinkable, we still have the ability to do that. More people need to wake up. All the people, all the people need to wake up and fast. It doesn't have to take a long time. You know, we hear these myths these, these lies about how, how really, really, really long it takes to get enlightened. And you have to um, live many, many, many lifetimes, each time with the intent to be enlightened, to learn how to, to wake up, to be enlightened. And it's going to take you all this time. It's so difficult to do. Well, those are lies to keep you from doing it. That's just more of those cultural lies. We can wake up extremely rapidly if we choose. We, it's, it's our choice. It's our consciousness. And our consciousness, our song is so incredibly strong and huge and knowledgeable that if we decide to collect our attention, focus it, and concentrate on letting go of all the old cultural lies, letting go of our old addictions to them, to all those old addictions, to the old ways of thinking and feeling and being and reacting automatically, all the destructive stuff. We can drop it extremely rapidly and wake up very, very, very fast. So that's, that's what wake up or else. <laughs> that's what that means. And that's what the Etika's teachings from Peru, and that's what the pre-dynastic Egyptians have to say about waking up. Wow. Beautiful. Again, thank you. Thank you so much. You are very, very welcome. <laughs> it's an honor. It is, it is always my, my incredible honor, my joy, to be able to share these things with all of you. And it's the Etika's hope. It's the Egyptian, ancient Egyptians' hope. And their predecessors that you go tell somebody else. I've I've told you, I'll keep telling you, as many as want to listen. And if you go and you tell what you can remember to others, and they go tell others, 
and people start really taking this seriously and start learning to question everything in their lives. Question their automatic responses to things. Uh, boy, is that going to change. And fast. So, it is my honor. Thank you. Thank you all. Okay. Oh, dang, you made me cry again, Katie. Okay, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a supposed to? Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a question, and I, I I don't assume. I think I know the answer, but I like the way you instead of saying the answer, whether you answer it. Um, how do we see the truth? There's so much misinformation out there. You know, it's, um, I noticed in my adult children, um, they're very leery about anything. Yet they, you know, they, and they question a lot, which I love, but the, it's still hard to, you know, there's experts, you know, in everything. And so how do you know, and I'm a big believer people are an expert to a certain point, you know, that they study things until they get the answer they want. So, you know, how do we see truth or no truth? That is a superb question. What the Hedekas say is that when you feel your song, you find your song, you feel your song, you do that song ceremony, which is so simple. You're, when you do the song ceremony, you are typically looking into something that's in, in your past that was really, really happy, really fun, exciting, passionate, love, falling in love feeling. That's a good one. You remember a moment. Now, this could be when you're little, tiny. It could be, you know, a few years back. It could be something that even happened today. But you remember a moment like that. And you let yourself go back in the memory. You bring the memory, focus on that memory, nothing else, just focus on the memory and the feeling that, that's in the memory, the happy, the good, the love that's, that's in, in the memory. And you just bring it bigger, bigger, bigger inside your, your thoughts and your feeling and your field. And you realize that this time that you're feeling this, 
you understand, you know, that this is the feeling of your own song. This is what your spirit feels like. The who you really are that has no programming, no, no garbage on it. It's, it's the true, real you. Your, your spirit, your soul, your song, as Atticus would say. With this knowledge, knowing that your song is so, so ancient, eternal, ancient, and huge, vast, and incredibly knowledgeable, and full of so many gifts, so much history, so much memory, so much love. And there is no programming in your song. It's true. It's real. And with your song, you can perceive the world correctly. So if you keep going back to the feeling of your song, this, this love, this joy, this happy, creative, passionate, has so many nuances of flavors in it. You keep going back in there, feeling it, feeling it. That's what the song ceremony is. It's a, it's a meditation where you are purposefully collecting your attention, collecting your consciousness, your attention, and you are focusing it, focusing, focusing, and holding on your song, on the feeling of your song. And you have the knowledge that everything about your song, all of its history, all the knowledge it's carrying, everything is in your song. It's in the feeling, the feeling of your song. It's in that happy. It's in the joy and excitement. You start to learn more about your song when you do that. You feel more of it. You learn more of it. You start remembering Things about this life, other lifetimes you've had, maybe as a human, or you know, we haven't always been a human in our lifetimes. Sometimes we've decided to be an animal or even a plant. And it's not a hierarchical thing. It's not because we were de-evolved or evolved. Or, it's a choice we choose because we want to experience that. And we've been on other planets. We've been out in the cosmos doing who knows what. And engaging, interacting with who knows what. But the memories are all there. And we can retrieve them if we focus our attention into our song, into the feeling of our song, because all of that is there. All the knowledge of it, all the experience of it is in your song. And that's knowing truth, true centered clarity. So if we can look at things in our current life from the perspective of our song, from the feeling of our song, then we are very, very centered in that moment. We have clarity, we have truth. The garbage is, you know being cleared away and you can easily, easily tell 
the lies and the garbage from the truth of your song, somebody else's song. You can see what their programming is. You can see and feel and perceive their song, their truth. And anything else that's, that's part of the, the programming, the lies, the blind beliefs in our world, you can detect it easily, quickly. That's why the Hedekas did the song ceremony all the time. It's, that was the very first ceremony that they gave their kids. And they gave it to their kids when they're really little so that they know their song and never forget it. And they, they learn this, this ability to compare real truth, real song, from programming and lies. I hope that helps. That's awesome. <laughs> that was, yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's a really, really, really good question. There's, there's a lot of news. <laughs> there's, so we just need to do a song ceremony before we watch any news. Or just turn it off. <laughs> I'm afraid most of the news that you're going to see on the internet or the TV doesn't have a lot of truth. There's little teeny pieces of truth in it here and there. But there's a lot of stuff that's been colored and twisted and just plain made up. And opinions. There's a lot of opinions, yeah. And you, you get to see the cultural lies that are held by the whole culture very easily as they pop up in the commercials or <laughs> in, in your news show or in the sitcom or, you know, as you're getting together with your neighbors and having a chat. And all this cultural programming comes into play. Those those people are asleep. Most of them are asleep and on automatic pilot. Those are automatically pre-scripted responses that they're giving you. But if you're in your song, you know exactly what it is and where song is and where it ends. <laughs> we have a habit too in our culture of wanting people to agree with us quickly with our opinions, you know, and um, with very little facts and very little facts that they've received. It's, you know, having an opinion is very, very important in our culture. And I think it was throughout Katasi, we study the no-nos, the no-blind beliefs, but I think it was level three, we really, really go into that um, more. And it, you know, it was, I think at that point, really digging down it further into the blind beliefs that gave me the opportunity to not have opinions for the first time. 
like that was such a weird thing in my body because <laughs> you're so used to like you know here's three facts about something that's really divert you know is really and come up with you know just take it all in as information you don't even have to know if it's accurate or not at the moment you're listening but we're this cultural thing about designing to have opinion if it's good bad or other so quickly goes back right to your toilet paper darts <laughs> yeah. and it's so freeing you know and i'm still breaking out of it but just the starting to walk away of having opinions it really irritates people during you know coffee meetings <laughs> but i think that my peers the you know the few i still have coffee with are getting used to the fact that i i just listen you know that i might not nod my head in agreement i might just be listening and it's you know it's probably why i have less at coffee meetings i think it makes them uncomfortable but it's it's freeing in my personal body. I know that. And I am so grateful for you guys, you know, for the teachings and the mono and chia and everybody, because that feeling in my body was huge to my personal health. Just letting go of it. It's strange. I mean, it's probably not yeah, further to go. It's not strange at all. But it, that the fact that, you know, not having opinions can actually physically heal you. It's, it's true. It's true, because when we have these uh, blindly held beliefs and opinions, uh, we, we have a charge on them. We put an emotional, strong, energetic charge on that piece of information and that belief. And that's a lot of energy and weight to try to carry around. So yeah, if, we, if we give up our opinion and we just take this information, like you mentioned, it's just information. It's a piece of data. It's somebody's idea. And, you know, maybe there's a fact in there somewhere. Maybe not. It doesn't matter. But we just file it away in our interior library as that piece of information about that subject. It doesn't, we're not saying it's true and we're not saying it's a lie. We're just collecting data. So have all those blind beliefs, uh, let go of their charge. Just, just let go of the charge and hold it as a piece of information that you came across one day. It may or may not be true, and it might be interesting or valuable later when some other information comes up. But to hold it as some kind of absolute truth that you will fight for, you will argue about and you'll fight for, that's holding a lot of weight and a lot of charge. And it takes its toll. You're totally correct about that. It takes its toll on your body. It takes an emotional toll, too. Thank you. Thanks for asking, answering my questions first, too. <laughs> we do have other questions. Did you want to read them, Helmut? Or two? 
do you, do we have time for more questions? Yeah, <laughs> I, we I should think, read them. I've okay. got a couple of questions too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you muted yourself. Laura, I think. Oh, I saw, I'm sorry. I, I guess you can have some questions too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, what you just talked about, you both, it reminds me of what you and I talked about recently, Kate, that one of the, the bigger challenges that keeps us humanity as humans from waking up is um, that we're so full of ourselves. <laughs> We think we know so much, and with that, we block ourselves from learning what's really there, and what else is there, and all the beauty that you just talked about for more than for, for an hour and a half. So anyways, that was my comment. My question is, all the um, thought form, um, for lack of a better word, sewage that is directed at us and that we live in. <laughs> how do we That's a really good word. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> how do we protect ourselves from it? That's what my first question. I'm good at you. I might steal that phrase from you, thought form sewage. I don't think that has come up before. That is a good one. It is, it is so perfectly descriptive. <laughs> uh, hmm. We as humans are creating thought forms all the time, 24 hours a day. And it's part of being human. It's part of who and what we are. And how the physics of who and what we are operate. We were thinking and feeling something, the energy goes out and it, it creates a, a big thought form, uh, like a cloud. Sometimes it could take different kinds of shapes. It can be like giant darts, uh, gun firing, uh, you know, it could be sparkles. It could take all kinds of different shapes, but the energy goes out. It's full of the information of what you are thinking and feeling, and it takes up space out there. Um, an awful lot of that is sewage, but there is also a big part that is necessary for um, how we live our lives here as humans on the planet and how we communicate. So an example is that uh, we have thought forms, <coughs> excuse me, about letters, letters of the alphabet, what they are, what they mean. That's useful to us. That piece of information is useful. We tie into thought forms all the time as we are um, starting to think about a certain thing or talk or we're reading about something um, we call up that th the thought forms that are relevant and it becomes part of 
what we are thinking, how we think. We look into the thought form, we feel into it to find information about uh, what that is. So we have thought forms about our words, complete with the definitions of how these words are used, especially um, current definitions. We have other kinds of thought forms that are, are very helpful and useful. And we have thought forms full of love. We have thought forms full of sexual energy. And maybe we're sexually attracted to the person on the other side of the room. And, you know, we're kind of thinking about what would that be like? And who's this person? What are they like? And do wonder if they notice me. And that thought form goes straight to them. That's another thing about thought forms. If you're thinking about a person, it goes straight to that person, whether they're right next to you, they're on the other side of the planet, it goes straight to them instantly. And it surrounds that person. Very often the other person notices in some way maybe not very consciously, but they, maybe they start thinking or feeling some of the things that are in that thought form. Um, I suppose if you were really lucky and you really, really thought that that other person over there would be really nice to, you know, get a little closer to and know a little bit better, uh, that they would notice you, your signature in the thought form and maybe they'd look up around the room, they'd notice you, and that would kind of somehow click. Most of this happens on an unconscious level for people, for most people who are still asleep. But, you know, the, the connecting and the clicking and the, uh, sharing of feelings, that, all that goes on, even though you don't notice uh, consciously what it really is what's happening so some of these thought forms you know are are very useful very helpful but for that sewage this ocean of sewage out there there's there's so much of it there's so much and it's so intertwined with everything else and when you get to areas of denser population you're more likely to find a denser ocean of uh, thought form sewage. So the best way to not be affected by it uh, is to know who you are. If you don't want that stuff to affect you automatically, push your automatic pilot buttons and get you rolling on whatever the scenario is, scenario is inside that thought form, then you need to know more about who you really are. The who and what. And that's your song. Most of us are identified uh, because of, of being programmed by the culture and lied to by the culture. We are taught to believe we are uh, all kinds of different labels. I am so-and-so's daughter. I'm so-and-so's sibling. I'm so-and-so's wife. 
I'm so-and-so's mother. Uh, I am a teacher of such and such a subject. Um, I am a writer. All these labels. I am an honest person. I am a dishonest person. We have all kinds of ideas and labels about who and what we are. And we identify with that. We think that is really who and what we are. And that's all we are. When we're thinking that way, we're following the blind beliefs. We're buying into it. We're drinking that Kool-Aid, as it's said these days. And... You make yourself vulnerable to any of those sewage thought forms that are rolling around the room, that are touching you, uh, that can light up particular programs you have, uh, particular blind beliefs about yourself. They resonate with what's in the thought form. And so they, they push your automatic pilot uh, reaction button and off you go you are affected and asleep and running on automatic pilot but if you know who you are and what you are and you identify with your song if that's who you authentically really and truly identify with your song that none of that stuff can push any button because you don't have any. None of it sticks. You can feel it and sense it in the room. And you can even learn uh, ways to do things about that. How to um, help that thought form um, move off to a different reality or dissipate. And in other words, would end up being gone in, in your space. And everybody else who's there with you, that's out of their space too. So it's not affecting them either. But everything about the problems of our world today and how to deal with them how to deal with life as we've come to learn it, what life is in our world, being asleep in a box, having to engage all the, all this modern cultural machinery. If we want to get out of it, not be affected by it, be able to change it. We have to know who and what we are. We have to wake up. We have to realize that we are our song, our spirit. That is where our real identity is. And we can do anything. We can accomplish anything when we learn how to identify with our own song.
Thank you. You're welcome. A follow-up question on that. Knowing yourself, knowing your song is not just protecting us from these things pushing our buttons, but it's also protecting us from any uh, negative physical effects. Is that accurate? Yes. That, yes, that is accurate. Because you're not being affected mentally and emotionally. You're not, um, you don't have an automatic pilot. <laughs> you don't have any of those triggers or buttons left to be pushed. So that affects your whole being the spiritual part of you, the mental part of you, the emotional part of you, and the physical part of you. It's, it's the best shield, the best protector that there is. Knowing your own song, feeling it, being it, identifying with it, and you feel the life energy that comes into you, and then that's it. That's part of life. You have life energy moving into you. Fill it with the, the signature of your own song, with the vibration of your own song. And none of those things can hurt you at all. And with the teachings, you can learn how to have more life energy come into your body at will. And that in turn allows you, knowing yourself and having all that life energy, allows you to send unconditional love back to anything that comes your way and anybody that sends it your way. I agree with that. When you're identifying with your song, you're feeling your song all the time. Your song is made of unconditional love. You're feeling unconditional love for yourself, for everything else, everybody else, all the time. It's always there. You're perceiving it, you're feeling it, you're living it. And it's, it's the response. It is the... What we do is pour out unconditional love to everybody and everything, even if they're doing the nasty thing and sending the nasty your way. Uh, we're pouring out unconditional love. Thank you, Kay. Thank you. I got one more. We're going to be here for a few hours today. Okay, you talked about that if we when we wake up we can build a world that exceeds our wildest dreams. And I think it's not so much a question and more a comment. If we if we wake up to the fact that waking up is the most important thing and stop our Facebook cat fights. 
we're gonna we're gonna like make such a big difference in such a um, short amount. We can make such a big difference in short, such a short amount of time that it would just be we would be blown away. I think. Yes. Let me unmute you. Go ahead. Yes. Yes, indeed. The more awake we get, and it usually happens in, in gradual steps. We, we wake up a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more. And the speed of that, um, we can control that. We can wake up really fast if, if we put our mind to it. So the more awake we are, the more we can create beautiful, beautiful, harmonic, harmonious, balanced energies, relationships, love. We can change the nature of what is around us. We can help other people to wake up, even without saying a word about waking up to them. Just by your constant behavior of being awake, of not buying into any of the lies or the automatic behaviors, not, not getting into a nasty fit over something stupid. That affects people around us tremendously, especially if they see it repeatedly and they feel it. They, they're observing, physically, visually observing your behaviors, but with that comes the feeling of your behavior. They may not be able to speak about that on a conscious level at the beginning, but they're feeling it, they're observing it, and it becomes conscious to them uh, after a while at a point Most people really, really like what they see. They're impressed. They may not understand it in the beginning. It may even be a little frightening in the beginning because they can't engage you in an argument. But they're learning. They're learning about waking up is. They're learning about what it looks like, what it feels like, what the interaction, people interacting when they're awake from a song perspective, a song level, with people being in their song, living and identifying with their song. They're learning it. And that's they can't help to be really, but to be really, really affected by that and mimic it. In the beginning, sometimes it's pure mimicry because they don't understand enough. But after a while, it becomes more of what they want to be, how they want to be. 
So it, it's what the Hedekas used to say, pebbles in a pond. We're throwing out a pebble in the pond, the ring goes out, and then more rings and more rings, and it's affecting more and more people in all directions. And it'll be affecting people that you don't know, like in the grocery store. And it affects them maybe enough for them to want to start changing some of their behaviors, some of what's inside them internally. And that's going to affect the people in their life. So one pebble in the pond and then another pebble in the pond and another pebble and they're throwing pebbles in the pond. It spreads out in ways that you can't imagine and making fundamental changes in people that you will never meet. But that's how we change the world with each one of us changing ourselves from the inside out first. It's the only way to change the world. Thank you again. I just, I just want to add that it's not just about our letting go of our Facebook cat fights, but letting go of the cat fights that we fight in our heads all the time and focus our attention on waking up instead and the song and the unconditional love. Would you say? Mm -hmm. Yep. That's it. That cat fight we see on Facebook or Twitter, it's just an outside, outward representation of the constant kind of babble and cat fight that all of us, when we're asleep, have going on inside us, in our mind, in our heart, in our whole body, in our energy field, and we're throwing it out. We're throwing it outward. We're, we're dumping it, throwing it at other. Throwing those thought forms out everywhere. We're infecting uh, what is around us and people around us and space around us when we do that. But we can do the opposite we can learn our song, learn about what that is, and keep exploring more and more and more about who and what we are, what our song is, and living it, identifying with it. And then when we interact, either you know, just with ourselves in the space around us, or walking through town, walking through the store, walking down our neighborhood street. We're interacting with others. We're, we're putting out song energy, unconditional love energy, equality, peace, 
harmony and peace energy. We're putting out thought forms full of that. And those thought forms are going to affect people. Just like the nasty thought forms can affect you. The nice, good, beautiful, love-filled thought forms are going to affect you with, with love. Love and, and the thoughts and ideas of living awake and in peace and living in harmony without war. Without a war inside yourself, without a war with each other. That's how we end war. That's how it happens. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we are past two hours. There's a bunch of question, questions in the Q&A. We're going to be here at least another hour, I think, if we go through them. Do we want to do that? Well, you know me, I'm always game. <laughs> <laughs> you said no? <laughs> <laughs> I say we go. You were muted. So. Oh, I, I said, you know me, I'm always game. <laughs> okay, let's do it. You want to start, Laura? Sure. Um, our first question is from Tom. Would you address what I feel is an exponential increase, maybe a release of collective toxicity and some ceremony to allow us to have immunity yet connection? From Tom. Some of that I think Can you <laughs> we... We Can just talked about that. Can you yeah, we just talked about it, but let me read it again. Would you address what I feel is an exponential increase and maybe release of collective toxicity and some ceremony to allow us to have immunity yet connection? <laughs> I think we did talk about it. But. There has been growing awakening, growing uh, of our consciousness, uh, growing of our collective human consciousness, uh, raising, a cleaning up, lifting out of the, the cesspool. And with that, yes, we can feel that. We can feel a lessening of a people dumping out the uh, the sewage all the time into the world and into themselves and into each other. We can, you could feel that happening and it is real. And the ceremony to protect yourself is the song ceremony. We have that available. Um, it's a free download. There's probably several of them available um, on our website. Helmut can tell you exactly what's currently on the website. We usually have at least one available uh, because it, it's, not, uh, it's not a memorized ceremony. It's, 
It's very uh, interactive with the moment. It's very alive. And it's beautiful ceremony. It could be very short. It could be quite long. We'd have them go hours. We've had them go for a very long time. And it is a focusing uh, on the feeling of your song, a feeling of something happy, something fun, joyful, the feeling of being in love. And what that is, it's the true feeling of your song. Especially the love is a really good example. The being in love with another is a good example because we, in our modern culture, when we're asleep, we credit this person or this animal, this being, whatever it is that we fell in love with, we credit the other with... uh, all the responsibility of of us having fallen in love, we give them all the power of it. We just give the power away because that's what we're taught to do in our culture. When you're asleep, you give all your power away to anything, anybody, all the time, every, every which direction. And this is just another venue for giving your power away. But what's really happening when we're falling in love, say, with a lover, another person, we're sensing their song, and yes, we do have admiration or love or lust with, with this other person, and there's a lot of feeling there. We're, we feel them, but the majority of what we're feeling welling up in us, that is our own song. We're feeling the feeling of our own song. So all that beauty and love and excitement, it's us, (laughs) it's yourself. When we realize that, we, and you decide to utilize that in, in a song ceremony, you can pick a memory like that, feeling it, bring the memory back, just fill yourself with a memory. Remember everything around you, the other person, sounds, smells, anything that can come to mind. And realize that the feeling you're feeling is your own self, your true self, your song. This is what, who and what you are. So in the song ceremony, we bring that memory back, we realize this, and that's what we focus on entirely. We don't allow anything else to come into our mind. And if we start getting mental babble and old masky babble stuff, we, we just send it away, clear it out, and go back. Go right straight back to the feeling of a song and let it fill ourselves. And we explore the feeling of our song. Because all the knowledge of who and what we are is in that feeling. All our history, all our antiquity, everything, all the knowledge that who and what we are, our character, (laughs) everything, it's there in the feeling. The more we do this song ceremony, the more often we do it, the more we learn about ourselves. 
and we, we experience that this is who we are and what we are. We remember the, the self quality of that feeling of the song. This is, this is the you. This is the you you always have been. And you learn to identify with it in your daily life to carry that feeling, the memory of the feeling, the understanding of what the feeling is through your daily life. And you no longer identify with labels and nasty remarks about yourself or things that you failed at in your life or any, you don't carry those things as an identity any longer. When we identify with our song, we know that is who and what we are. None of this junk out there in the world of the asleep, none of the cesspool can touch you, can affect you, can hurt you. And you're giving out love and beauty because the song is just full of of that love and beauty and, and fairness and creativity, passion for life and real connectedness. It's, we're just giving that out because that's part of who and what we are. I hope that answers. Nice. Let's see. Oops, let's see something. I just posted the link to uh, the live song ceremony that Kay did. Uh, that's on YouTube. So that's a good one because there's also a short, a brief introduction to it. Um, you can use that if you'd like. It's a good one for the holidays. <laughs> yes, staying in song this holidays would be outstanding. <laughs> Holiday present. But yeah. it's a good one for all the time, really. It's a good ceremony. Yeah. You ready for another question? Yeah. Meredith. Hi, guys. Could Kay speak briefly to the connection between focusing our attention and manifestation? I feel like this is a link to how a few awake individuals could create a movement and recreate our garden experience, uh, experiment of peaceful existence. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> Do we have time? Nice, nice question. Um, and yes, you tapped into uh, one of the most exciting and beautiful aspects of what song is the who and what we are we are creators we're a piece of creator each one of us is a unique individual piece of creator we have creative abilities and yes as one or more people who know their song can hold that and I, they identify with their song and they learn to focus their attention. They all agree to focus their attention on a single thing. They can create it. They can bring it into being. Absolutely. 
And we do that with the weaving ceremony. We do it with, with every ceremony. We're, we're doing it with, uh, to bring love back to self and other and song and awakeness and all those kind of things. But awakeness to the whole planet Earth and all of Earth humans. And to build a, a song-based world. A song-based world that means everybody is awake. That's, that means uh, all of the old cultural things that, that we are living with today, that we grew up with, that we learned would be gone. We'd, we'd let them go. We'd give them up. We'd throw them away. And we would create an entirely different song-based way of thinking and being and feeling. And we would create an entirely different society. Uh, any institutions we decided to create would be entirely different, totally song-based. And it takes, it takes some thinking. It takes, we're so used to what we grew up with, what we've had for centuries, which is what Hedek has called the backwards turning wheel, where the whole world is upside down and backwards. And everything is about power over and condemnation, and judgment and greed and, and hate and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of that, we would let go of that and we would dream up a new dream. So our weaving ceremonies are dreaming up a new dream and weaving, literally weaving the web of the earth and humanity new. I hope that answers. You know what, too, I'm, I'm thinking on that inspiration, Meredith, there was the bone throw on, um, I think it, I think we've titled it Dreaming the Dream or, and you talked about dreaming the dream and stepping into it. It's one of my favorite bone throws. I'll try to um, find it and repost it Ooh, just yeah. to, I know it's so good. <laughs> They're all good, but I love that one is inspired a lot of the webinars that we're doing now too. that one bone throw. So for, um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to find it. I know, I think I know where it is and repost it on the healing talks so that everybody can enjoy it again. Thank you. Thanks, fame. Yeah. More questions? How much do you have? You want to read the next one? <laughs> Go ahead. You're doing great. All right. Angela, this is from Angela. Kay, I missed the first part of the session. How do we know that we are in enlightened? Do we have to, to clear a certain amount of karma before we are enlightened? Thank you for these webinars. Great question. 
The pre-dynastic Egyptians did not believe in karma. The Hedekas uh, and their ancestors did not believe in karma. Um, this doesn't mean that um, there isn't cause and effect. There definitely is cause and effect. <laughs> definitely. So the way most people uh, right now in the modern world are thinking about karma and what karma is. It, it is not uh, what these old traditions say. It's not what the spirits say. So the idea of clearing your karma uh, doesn't make any sense uh, in the Katasi or the pre-dynastic Egyptian way of thinking. But what we do uh, do in order to be fully awake, we, we have to change all of the way that we have been thinking and feeling and believing. An internal cleansing and readjustment, rebuilding. And as we're doing that, we learn how we have been causing harm to others from feelings, thoughts, words, actions that when we're asleep, we have absolutely no idea that they're causing harm to anything. It's just the way we think things are. That's the way it is. That's the way we are. That's, that's what is, and we haven't, we just haven't noticed anything different. When we're born, we're a clean slate. We, we're awake, and we have memory. But the memory begins to fade, and we start learning the modern culture, and start learning the demands of the modern culture. Uh, the biggest one, of course, is to go to sleep. Totally go to sleep. Forget your song. Forget that that exists. Forget what it feels like. And, you know, don't do anything that's going to remind you. And, of course, the instructions are, you know, you got to learn the modern culture. And... And do, just be like everybody else, do what everybody else does and react on automatic pilot. And everything will be just fine. But all of that automatic pilot learning, all the, the things that we've learned from our culture are, uh, as I said, they are upside down and backwards. They're... They're, uh, they're destructive. They, that wheel, it turns backwards. It's upside down and it's turning backwards. It destroys everything in its path. And it destroys itself as it turns. And at our, our current time, it, it has destroyed itself so much but there's barely anything left. But people try to pick up the pieces and shove them back together and keep that 
ugly machine running. Those are the things that we have to uh, let go of. We have to let them die away. It's the, the world, this whole era, the whole, um, as the Hopi would say, this is a world. And we're at the end of this world. This world has, has been very strongly about the backwards turning wheel, the upside down backwards world. Everything in it is crazy and destructive. We have to let our addiction to it go. It's another thing that people in the modern world have a hard time understanding is that we're really, really addicted to everything in this modern culture on all levels and all, all kinds of everything. The thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, the, uh, the way everything is done and all the automatic behavior. We're addicted to it. And that gives it an extra twist, a little bit harder to let go of. But it's certainly not impossible, especially once you realize how addicted you have been to all of the things of the modern culture. And if we're going to wake up, if you're going to get out of your box, you're going to perceive and experience your own song and be able to identify with it and feel it and live it all the time. That's what waking up is. That all the rest of that old world has to fall away. And it has to fall away from inside each of us. We can't get it out of our world until each person has let it go. Nice. It starts with each one of us. Thank you, Kay. You're very, very welcome. All right, one more, Rita. There's a, quite a few more, just to warn you, Kay. <laughs> Rita has asked, um, how does one stay and live in their song? It's a choice. We choose to do it. We learn how to perceive and feel our song and we learn how to feel it more and more. We learn how to identify with it, which makes everything so much easier to genuinely identify. There's, there's intellectually identifying with it, but that isn't completely identifying with it. So when we completely truly identify with it, it makes a lot of things go a lot easier and smoother and it's very easy to give up our addiction to the, the old world and the old ways. So it always, all, always comes back to song, who we are, what we are. 
as a people, we have forgotten who we are. As individuals, we have forgotten who we are. As different groups of humans, we have forgotten who we are. And we have to get it back. We do that by exploring our song, finding our true identity. And when we are living more and more awake, then we are perceiving our song and we are perceiving the songs of everything around us, of other humans, of the animals, the plants, the air, the clouds, the rain, the water, the land, the rocks. It's, it sounds funny to people who are still asleep, but rocks have a very, very loud consciousness. And they love talking to people and interacting with people. And they can be very persistent and very loud. When we're in the asleep, the backwards turning wheel culture, we think of rocks as being inanimate, no life, dead. They're nothing. They're just something for us to uh, shove around whichever way we choose. But when we wake up, it all starts looking quite different. We really honestly perceive the aliveness of everything around us. And there's the field that is between everything that we see and notice, like the land and the trees and, and the sky, the water, uh, the, it's the space between things. There is a field of aliveness, a field of awareness is sometimes called connectedness, the field of connectedness. And it is very, very alive and very, very interactive. So there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot of things and a lot of things going on, a lot of interactions happening in our true world and universe. And it's just so exciting and so beautiful. And it is so alive and so full of unconditional love. That's what we're working for. It's not hard. It's about choice. We have to choose it. And when we're first learning, we have to keep re-choosing because the old habits pop in. We're in our song for a while and we're thinking and feeling song things and, and perceiving things around us from a song basis. And, and then all of a sudden, the masky things that are still there 
uh, pop up and they're babbling to us and we're feeling the masky things and we're reacting on automatic pilot and something triggered us. And all, all of a sudden we realize, oh, almost, oh my God, I've, I've just slipped into mask land. I dropped into the sewage pot and I got to get myself back into song. And it's a choice you choose right then. But, and that'll happen over and over for a while, but it'll get less frequent and less frequent and less frequent and less severe. And you will notice it uh, much faster each time. And it's easier to stop it, let go and get back to song each time. Thank you. More? More? <laughs> Are they adding more questions? Yeah, I'm afraid so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to take Astas. Okay? Go. How do you know if I'm really in song? How do I know if I'm really in song and not in just good mood? Asta? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Asta. Well, a good mood um, has the sprinklings of song in it. Because when we're doing the song ceremony, uh, we're learning how to find our song and, and bring it to our conscious awareness and focus on it and have it fill our whole attention. It's starting out from something that is, comes from a good mood, something good, fun, happy, exciting. Could even be uh, being on a roller coaster if you, if you like those things. Or it could be, um, you know, just sitting super quiet peaceful no interruptions and you're just just peaceful by yourself kind of meditation maybe doing uh, any number of different things that that turn you on that you really like gardening for some people walking in nature for others being around loved ones for other people making artwork for an any kind of art, you know, for other people. There's just so many different kinds of things, different strokes, different folks. But it it's, makes you feel good. And when you're feeling good, your song is, is bubbling up. So in that good mood, you've got so, at least some song bubbling up into your awareness. But our, our song awareness, our whole song awareness is when we are identifying with our song, we're identifying with us, our entity, our, our soul, our spirit that 
it's been us. It's been ourself, uh, our individualness for eons, eons and eons and eons. Every lifetime we've ever had, it's us. In, the, in that lifetime, different body, different kind of experiences, different goals. But uh, it's the feeling of, of self. When we're identifying with our song, that feeling of aliveness, the signature of who's alive, that's you, that's your song, that's your self. That's what we identify with. That's what we learn is the who and what we really are. And that's what we hold. When we're truly awake, we are feeling that all the time. And the other expressions and nuances of song, of who and what we are, of of being happy, being in love, being passionate, being really excited, being super peaceful, being ecstatic in ceremony. Those are all different nuances of feelings that song is capable of, that are part of song. The unconditional love that song is full of, that's all part of who and what we are. But those things kind of change a little bit like uh, the tides on the shore that are coming in and out and big and small and as to what we're perceiving or focusing on at any given moment. The one thing that is constant all the time in this identifying with song is this feeling of self, this knowing this feeling, knowing that who we are, this feeling of self is ancient, ancient, ancient beyond time and very, very vast, huge, vast, wondrous, knowledgeable. That's who and what we are. That is our identity. That's that's what we are carrying all the time when we're awake. And that's our goal in waking up. When we are identifying with that, we really know that that's the truth of who and what we are. In our song is all this unconditional love and it's connected to everything in the universe. And we see the aliveness of everything and the precious deliciousness of all the life it's impossible to purposefully intentionally hurt anything else it changes our perspective of how to interact with everything whether it's the dirt or it's other people or the water uh, or puppy dog or Whatever it is, it changes our perspective of what is appropriate, what is a good way to, to be interacting. 
and we interact from song, from unconditional love, from the connectedness, from our love of aliveness and life itself, and our honoring of all life, and our honoring of, of all the diversity of life, this astounding diversity of, in life. All the expressions, loving all of them, accepting all of them. So hopefully that's a little bit more, a little more description of what living in song is, what identifying with song is, compared to a good mood. Sometimes we, we're feeling a little bit of this good mood, if we're still living in a sleep life, still in the box, we're feeling a temporary good mood because of mask actions, automatic behavior, blind beliefs, and the, they have somehow uh, Manage to work together in such a way that it gives you a little bit of a, a good mood time. But it's thin, it's shallow. Anytime you have a good mood, you have the opportunity to realize that there is song there, that there's song involved. And you could turn your attention into song fully. I hope that that is, is making some more sense to you, Asta, and everybody else, too. Do you want me to get the next one? Uh, or you got it? I, I, can, I can get it. Okay. Uh, this one is from Tom, and there's actually two, I think, that belong together. In Japanese Aikido, the focus is on expanding your chi, ki, which is being present, which is being present, staying in one song, and automatically you are in one's power. Is that the immunity? Okay. In Japanese Aikido, the focus is upon extending your ki, which is being present, staying in one's song, and automatically you are in one's power. Is that the immunity? I would say yes, if immunity to the triggers from the asleep world around you, thought forms and stuff, 
if immunity to that is part of your intent in directing your chi. Chi is life energy. It's pronounced ki in some groups, chi in another. And in directing that, there's always instruction. My experience in Aikido and my experience in the Hedekas teachings and in the Egyptian teachings that if you get yourself in song, you're focused on the feeling of song, you're totally identified with the feeling of song, and you're letting your life energy come through your body from the earth and the sun to fill you, to nourish you, to fill up your energy field effortlessly, just with the intent to do so, letting life energy be life energy and not have any blocks inside you, your body, your energy levels, your emotional levels, everything, to have it fill you and your space, all your cells, everything, all levels. There is an intent to have the life energy be helpful to you, have it be nourishing, have it be centering, to have you be centered in your song, in this life energy, and it's effortless. And in this filling of yourself and this sense of well-being, you're wishing, you're creating well-being, that there is protection in that because what it will do automatically is fill up your entire energy field, the whole outer edge of your energy field, everything inside. And it, puts, it gives a strength to the outer edge of your energy field without trying to make it into uh, energetic steel to have some sort of a, a pretend shield put up that you, you force and make, uh, which is a very popular thing to do in a lot of, of so-called spiritual groups. It's to make shields like that. But in Katasi, in pre-dynastic Egypt, my understanding of Aikido, which is not that big, but it's the same idea, the same beginning thing of learning who and what you are, what your center is, and this life energy, and to allow it to grow naturally because it's supposed to grow and expand in you naturally. The more you use it, the more the channels will expand, the more the flow of energy you can accommodate through the channels, through your whole being, your cells, your field. And it creates uh, a very strong, very healed outer surface, but it's not forced. It's not like steel walls or anything. 
It allows energies to come in that you wish. It keeps all things out that you do not want to be part of your energy field or your body. So that is a protection. But it's, it's a side effect protection of utilizing song and life energy and centeredness in a very relaxed and purposeful way. Very, very gentle, very with moving with the currents of nature rather than trying to push the river upstream and force things. So as they, those are all the same. I hope that, I hope that answers. You gotta go, Laura. Mm -hmm. Sure. Rita's next. Um, sorry, <laughs> so I can see this. Could it be one's soul is one song that is love energy that gives one life? Let me read that again. Could it be one's soul? is one song that is the love energy that gives one life. This is where the intellectual definitions of words and in languages starts to get confusing and can become problems. And one of our problems currently is that we have a lot of different people with different groups, their different ideas, using a lot of the same words, but they're actually meaning something slightly different to really different. And, and it's, uh, you can't compare the apples and the oranges. So we have one song. We have our song, our one song, our entity. And at this current time, this song is choosing to create your body and have a lifetime uh, in your body as a human. Song is made of love. It's, a, it's both a Hedekah's uh, concept and a pre-dynastic Egyptian concept that everything is made of love, love unconditional love, absolutely pure, Unconditional love is the foundation of everything in the universe because it is the first born and everything is born out of it. So you as a song, uh, your song was created out of unconditional love. So it's got a lot of it. It's full of it. 
The whole universe is full of it and it's flowing like great oceans and great tidal waves all over, everywhere, all the time. There are occasions when we decide to manifest as something else besides our body at the same time. And that's another whole subject. And it's a very confusing subject. So I'm going to leave it at that for the moment. And I hope that has answered answered enough uh, to be making some sense. Thanks, Kay. There's, um, I think technically one more. Evelyn asked a question and then she posts that she got her answer as you were talking, but she had probably our last question, if that sounds right. Um, she asks, would you define your song as your life's vision or your life's calling or your life's purpose? Good question. Really good. Your song is much more than that. Your song is way, 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 way much more than that. Your purpose in life or your vision for this life, that's, that's one part of your song. One part. Sometimes we'll have essentially the same, uh, many of the same uh, things that are a purpose from one life to another. Some people, some people, some songs do that. Um, the thing about a purpose in life, it's a list. That's what makes it really confusing is that a lot of people are not aware that it's actually a list. And sometimes there's a real big item on it or a couple of items related to each other that are really big uh, compared to the other items on the list in terms of how important they are as, as a part of the purpose. But we have other things, the two. You, uh, your parents, uh, we, pick, we pick this lifetime, we pick our parents, we make agreements, and so then they get together and, they, and you're birthed and here you are as a human. You're having your lifetime now. Well, that's on your list. Uh, if you decide to have any children or uh, a, a mate, a significant other, or several of them, um, or other very significant people in your life that influence, that have something to do with your big purpose. Those are all part of your purpose. To, to meet those people, to interact, to have relationship, to do the things that you had hoped that you would be able to get to do together and accomplish together. There are many other much smaller things that are part of our purpose of life. Locations that you might want to live. Uh, certain location you want to live while you're doing the, the big 
item that's on your list. Um, we may have a, a big item that's just really uh, keeps pulling at our strings and we can't get away from it. And it's, it's the direction we just have to go. Uh, but also on your list, maybe you've got a little issue with uh, alcohol uh, and the um, possibilities of addiction or something. And that's part of your purpose. And it's going to bang into your other purposes uh, as well and cause conflicts. We have a whole list of things, maybe college or maybe some other sort of teaching and learning uh, events that are part of your purpose. Travel, or maybe never travel. You stay in the same town the whole time. All these kinds of things could be part of our purpose. It could be a part of our list. And so they have to do with just this lifetime. Our song has many, 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 many lifetimes. For some of us, we've only had a few, maybe human lifetimes on this planet as a human. Some of us, maybe we've had hundreds of thousands of them or anywhere in between. Maybe we've had a whole lot to do with some other kinds of planets and other races or being other types of things, other experiences. And when we're there, we have a whole different purpose in life list. Different, different issues. So I hope that is uh, good enough, good ex explanation. Hope it helps. Okay, thanks for taking so much time to answer these questions. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. I agree. It's part of my purpose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it is—it's a joy and a privilege. We have another. One? Such, go ahead. I'm sorry. Do we have another one? No, that was it. That was it. Ooh. That was it. All You're right. such a wealth of information, and that's. I know many people are like me. That's a lot of what we're seeking is, you know, what we talked about, you know, honest facts, <laughs> you know, having questions actually get answered instead of just redirected. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Evelyn says, What's that? I'm sorry. Evelyn, Go ahead. yes, thank you so much for the last answer here. Good. Okay. Were you, did you have anything else, Laura? Of course, but no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta we stop have asking that question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I get access to Kay in our mentorship call on Monday, so I'm good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Really? Thank you. Thank you, Kay. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Beautiful. Just gorgeous. What a session. Thank mm -hmm.
And thank you to Helmut and Laura. Helmut. Thank you very much. You do quite a lot to make these things happen. And uh, that's glorious. Thank you for all your effort. As you say, it's an honor and delight. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. And we see you all next time. Happy holidays. And I'm going to share some videos with uh, webinar people, group. Uh, hopefully before the holidays, some links so you can watch over the holiday time in case you need to get away in a quiet corner. But have a beautiful time. And we love you. See you next time. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. Have beautiful, beautiful holidays, however you choose to spend them. I love you. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.